0: Hey, come on, Go Church. How you feeling today? Feel good? That's pretty good. That's not too bad. I'm going to give you one there. Has God been good to anybody this week? Can we thank God for His grace, for His love, for His goodness? It is a tremendous joy to be together in person today, here on the first Sunday in August. And maybe your summer schedule has kind of kept you away from Go Church for a week or two or three have no fear, because that's been true for Kimberly and I and our family, too. We took a few Sundays off in the month of July and spent time together and, you know, got to travel just a little bit. I tried to work on my tan. Come on now. And, uh, but you know this as well as I do. There is no place like home and it's good to be home and it's good to be with all of you and thanks for being a part of the gathering today. Many of you know this but we're one church multiple locations so we've got in this room at our South Metro Atlanta campus our broadcast campus we've got this wild crazy dysfunctional bunch of people. Come on now that's y'all. And then looking the cameras, we got our Westside Atlantic campus meeting on the amazing property of the City of Refuge, and then of course our Montgomery County, Maryland campus there in Germantown, we greet all of you today, so a lot of good things happening, and then of course everybody online, we just say good morning. So here's what I want you to do, whatever campus you're a part of today, can you put your hands together, greet one another, encourage one another, bless one another, come on, look at somebody near you, say you look good, come on, tell them, say you lost some weight, looking good and then you already know this if you've been a part of any uh gathering here at go church for any period of time before we get into the message we always give honor to the brave men and women that have served in the military and those who are currently serving in the military and then all of the courageous first responders so here's what i'd like to do today if you are in the military or you're a veteran of of military or your job has you serving as a first responder when I say now, I want you to lift your hand, not just yet, but I want you to lift your hand, and then every campus is gonna erupt in a round of applause. And when you look around you, if you see a hand lifted near you, would you just give them an boy" or a girl" to say th- thank you and show appreciation for their sacrifice and, uh, and service? All right, now, come on, military men and women, first responders, come on, church family, come on, here we go, come on, here you go, come on, look at them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, five more seconds, let's go. None like you. Come on, keep it going for a second. Land of the free, home of the brave. Good. Uh, We love you so much and we thank God for you and uh, we appreciate all that you do to help protect our rights and our freedoms. All right, one, one, one quick announcement. I promise you we'll get right into the message today. Uh, We are soon to begin the fall semester of groups here at Go Church. And we believe, and you'll hear this a lot, We believe that real life change happens in the context of relationships. And so we want all of you to be a part of a group this fall semester. Right now, what we're looking for are some great group leaders. And I believe this is what we talk about that what makes a successful group semester is not the quantity of groups, it's the quality of groups. And we're looking for great leaders who would open up their heart or maybe even open up their home. And allow us to have a small group led by you or in your home to allow people to build relationships with one another and then also relationships, most importantly, with Christ Jesus. So at all of our campuses on Sunday, August the 21st, we've got a group leader training and I'm going to attach onto that like a group leader information meeting. So if you're ready to jump in and be a group leader, go online, go on the website, sign up for this date. If you're just interested in knowing more information, you can sign up online as well. And you'll be able to learn more about what it means to be a group leader. In a few weeks, you'll start to hear a lot about the groups that are being offered at your specific campus and ways that you can engage there, okay? We believe that you need need more of Jesus and more of each other than just Sundays. Can I get an amen? So small groups is one of those great ways to do that. Make friends, make disciples, and you'll be blessed by it, all right? And then today, it's crazy to think how many... How many weeks have flown by through summer we started summer school this series on the book of proverbs seven sundays ago come on and i want to give honor where honor is due because through the month of july uh, you heard from some amazing communicators and pastors and i just want to show some love to them uh, our associate pastors pastor david waldrop pastor ben warwick they both spoke my father-in-law who we call the bishop of the house uh, he spoke one sunday Uh, the CEO and founder of City of Refuge, Bruce Deal, who's also on our teaching team here at Go Church. He spoke one Sunday. And so I just think it's appropriate, just if you set under the teaching, the ministry, and the anointing of these men of God, can we just say thank you for the Lord using them in the way that he did? All right, I appreciate you guys. Come on, a little bit better, come on. All right, let's jump into week number seven. Uh, This is going to be a challenging word. I hope you're ready for it. Grab something to take notes with. Whatever campus you're a part of, there is a message note card right in front of you. Uh, Take out a pen. You can borrow a Go Church pen, or you can steal a Go Church pen. Come on now. Um, I've not preached in five Sundays other than Monday night of Deeper. So if you don't amen this message enough, I'm going to preach for 90 minutes. That's more like an hour and 20. Come on now. (laughs) But take something to write with. I believe the Lord's got a word for you. He does for me. Let me offer a prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Can we take 10 seconds and just, uh, with a moment of silence and just concentration, invite the Holy Spirit into this moment. We already know the Lord is here. We can feel his presence. But invite him into this conversation. Ask him not just to speak through me, Pastor JC, but to speak to you. Not just to anoint me, but to anoint your ears. So Holy Spirit, speak whatever you want to speak to every heart that's listening and do a transformational work. All right, let's take 10 seconds here. Invite the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. God, I am asking of you to be anointed today. It is not my heart in any way, shape, or form to stand up here on this platform and to preach any other agenda than your agenda, to preach any other message than your message. But I need your strength, I need your touch, I need your help, and I'm asking for that. It is not my heart to be a famous pastor or to pastor some mega-famous church. I just want Jesus to be famous. We'll leave the results up to you with what you want to do with this ministry, but I'm just running hard after you. And through our worship today and prayer time today and praying for students here at our campus and through this message, Lord, I want you to be pleased. I want you to receive glory and honor. So I'm just asking for a touch from you, touch your people. Whatever you want to say, we invite you to speak. And in advance of what you're doing, we say thank you. We say thank you. In your precious name, the name of Jesus, the name that has all authority, and the whole church said amen and amen. We've clapped a lot for a lot of people. But if God's been good to you and you love the Lord, can you put your hands together here? Just bless him. Oh, come on. It's good. All right, let's jump into week number seven here of summer school, and I want to take you back, actually, uh, to week number one, the part of the introduction of the series. That was the week that I kicked off uh, the, the whole summer school series. I won't spend a lot of time here, but I just want to kind of reiterate some things to you and remind you of a few things. Whenever we read the book of Proverbs, we understand that this book is teaching us that in this universe, there is an invisible force, And this particular invisible force can guide us towards what we would call a good life. And I want to tell you this, it's okay to desire in your heart to to live a good life and to have a good life, as long as that good life is to bring honor and glory to Christ. Nothing we do should ever be about selfish ambition or gain, but it's okay to have a desire to live a good life. I can tell you this, there's not been one day I've ever woken up and said, you know what, today I'd like to start a really bad life. By a show of hands, how many of you desire to live a good life? You want a good life, and that's okay. Now, there is a force, much like gravity, that although you can't see, you know that it exists. And how many of you are grateful for gravity? I don't know when the last time you woke up and you said, God, I just want to thank you for gravity today. But we should be thankful for gravity. If not, you would just be sucked up into the galaxies right now. But much like gravity, there is this invisible force. And if you will lean in to this invisible force then through the spirit of God and ultimately through the wisdom of God, you should end up with a good life. Uh, this Hebrew word for wisdom, which is the invisible force, is Hokma, Hokma, And it's more than just, an. it's not like an impersonal, you know, impersonal kind of force. It's, it's actually an attribute of God. Like, you can call on God and ask for the wisdom of God, and when you lean into the hokmah of God, watch this, then ultimately you start to make good decisions, and your good decisions produce good consequences, which produce a good life. But you get to decide to lean on God's wisdom or your own wisdom, and if you choose to lean on your own wisdom, you'll make bad decisions. Come on, somebody testify that you've made bad decisions before. All right, you don't want to raise your hand, so look at somebody and say, he's talking about you, he ain't talking about me. You make bad decisions, there's bad consequences, and there's, bad, there's a bad life. One of the final thoughts that Jesus gave on his Sermon on the Mount was about a builder, two builders. One built their house on the rock, the other built their house on the sand. Both builders built their house, and a storm came. The one that built their house on the rock, the storm couldn't tear it down because the rock was its foundation. The other builder who built his house on the sand, the storm came, and it blew the whole foundation apart because it was on sinking sand. The difference of those two builders was not knowledge and intellect. They both knew what was right and wrong. The difference was obedience and disobedience. And this is true about the book of Proverbs. It is full of wisdom. And you have a choice. Will you lean in to the wisdom of God to help guide you towards good decisions in a good life? Or will you, like I have at times, be stubborn and try to take control of all of it and lean on our own wisdom? One of the most famously quoted Proverbs would be Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and wisdom, but in all of your ways, if you acknowledge him, what will he do? He will direct your path. Where is he directing your path? Towards a good life so that you can be a tes- uh, so you can have a testimony and be a witness for the things of God and ultimately to heaven. So if you lean into the wisdom of God, God will help you make really good decisions. But if you refuse the wisdom of God, here's what the first proverb says, right towards the end of Proverbs 1, but if you listen to wisdom and you choose to lean into it, you'll dwell secure and you'll be at ease without dread of disaster. If you opt against it, then you'll always have anxiety. You'll always be wrestling with some type of fear. And concern and calamity and disaster because again your strength your own strength is not enough to sustain you in the challenges and the trials of this world and i'm not trying to present doom and gloom to you but we all go through stuff we all go through it and every day we've got decisions to make when we go through life and here the book of proverbs is saying all right if you lean into the wisdom of god god will help us go through the valley go through the difficulty does that make sense all right, so let's get into today's message. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn there. Proverbs 18, 21. If you have your smartphone, you can go there. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Uh, the Go Church app has uh, an application within the app so you can view the Bible. Of course, YouVersion is a great application you know, that you can use on your phone. Well, there ain't nothing like a Bible. Can I get an amen? So if you've got your Bible, I want you to go there. Now, the whole message is gonna be centered around the idea of Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21. But I felt overwhelmingly convicted by the Holy Spirit that before I read to you Proverbs 18:21, that I must also read to you Proverbs 18:22. Unrelated to the verse previous, but I just if you'll indulge me for a moment. Here's what Proverbs 18:22 says as you're flipping to Proverbs 18:21. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. Now, I will take this time, since I got the microphone in the stage, to tell you, Kimberly, how much I love you. In October, we're gonna be married 18 years. And I wanna say to you that I love you more today than I did 18 years ago. I'll never forget the first time I ever saw you. It was love at first sight. For me, it took you a while to grow in loving me. But when I found you, when God gave me you, you are a treasure. And ever since you said yes to that proposal, and I mean this with all sincerity, there has been favor on my life. And I'm a better man because of you, and I love you, and I know this church loves their first lady too. Come on now. You're my girl. You're my boo. Now all of you other guys, you better step your game up, baby. Come on, because I'm coming with fire. All right, Proverbs 18, 21. Let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You ever heard this verse before? One translation says it like this, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And isn't that true? Such a small little part of your body, one of the smallest parts of your body, yet it produces uh, the opportunity for you to be an encourager or to be a discourager. For you to speak life or for you to speak death? Now, I know at this campus, we just prayed for kids to go back to school. But if we go back to days when some of us were in school, you might remember this old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Is that true or false? Yeah, that's absolutely 100% false. Whoever wrote that, they are a liar. (laughs) By a show of hands, and this is going to be a very uh, crowd participation message here. By a show of hands... Has anybody ever said something to you and their words, they hurt you? Let me see your hands. Yeah, that's all, that's all of us. And uh, if you didn't raise your hand, just hang out in the lobby and somebody will say something to you today. And, <laughs> and we'll make a corner of the three of you and we'll just come and we'll just give it to you. Now by a show of hands, how many of you have ever said something and you think your words have hurt someone else? Same guy didn't raise his hand. <laughs> I believe this. I believe that our tongue, more than anything else probably, gets us into more trouble and causes more issues and more problems than anything else I can think of. The verse that you just read says, watch this, that life and death are found not in the power of your muscles, not in the power of your knowledge, not in the power of your intellect, not in the power of your faith, but in the power of your words. And the power of what you speak. And all day, every day, we talk. And I'll share a little bit more with some statistics around that. But we talk a lot and we speak a lot. And the challenge that I want to give to you today is: are are you taming your tongue? Are you guarding your tongue? I mean, just in the book of Proverbs alone. I'll show you other examples throughout the New Testament as well, but just in the book of Proverbs alone, there are approximately 90 references in this one book that regard the issue of our words and our speech. In 31 chapters, 90 times, wisdom is crying out to us, guard your words, guard your speech, because they have the power of life and death. Over 150 times, the book refers to our lips, our mouth, and our tongue. Let me give you just a few. I won't give you all you know, 150 examples, but here's a few. I'll go through these quick. Proverbs 10.31. The mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom. Do you see that? But the perverted tongue will be cut out. I want you to look at somebody and say, you lucky you still got your tongue in your mouth. Go ahead and tell them that. Proverbs fifteen four the soothing tongue is a tree of life. By a show of hands, again, I need you to participate with me. Anybody ever been going through something and someone spoke a soothing word over you and you felt life because of it? Yeah. But have you ever been going through something and someone spoke a perverse word or a critical word or a negative word? What did that do to your spirit? Man, you already beat down. You already pushed down. Now that hateful word or that critical word crushes you. Why is it that in one day you can have a hundred compliments, but you go to bed thinking about the one criticism? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three: those who guard their mouths. This is the instruction of the Lord. If you guard your mouth and you guard your tongue, you will keep yourself from calamity or disaster. Again, I think it is the tongue that causes so much of our problems. We don't guard our speech. We don't guard our words. We don't, we're not prayerful and considerate about what we say. We just, we just speak. Now let's get into the New Testament, James chapter 3. The title of James chapter 3, by the way, Taming the Tongue, which I think you and I, we can do good for a little while. So you're going to hear this message. You're be like, man, I'm going to work on my tongue. I think you got it for tomorrow, hopefully. It's next Monday, or it's October the 11th, or it's the next time you sit in the middle of traffic. Hello, come on, somebody. That's why I I don't even know if it's possible to tame the tongue, but I'm thankful that God, through his gifts of the Holy Spirit, can give us a new tongue, hello. James three, verse number five, watch this. In the same sense, watch this, the tongue is a small part of the body By comparison, though, watch, see how great a forest is set on fire by just a small spark. Maybe this is only true for me, but there have been times where I've said one word and the whole forest erupted in flames. Now, maybe the word that I said was unkind or inconsiderate or it lacked thought and wisdom. Or maybe the word that I spoke was misinterpreted or misunderstood but there is life and death in the power of your tongue. And if you're not careful, this small little part of your body with one thought, with one word, man, can erupt the whole house on fire. The whole day can be ruined. I remember when the kids were smaller. And I came home from the office one day. I was pastoring, living in Maryland at the time, and the kids were small. Uh, London was just an an infant and I walked in the house and I had a long day and I mean there's like dishes piled up and laundry piled up and toys everywhere and I was tired I know Kimberly was she's laughing already and I was like so what did you do today and without hesitation she goes I know what I'm not doing today come on somebody (laughs) whatever Colossians 4 some of you get that joke at lunch Colossians 4 let your speech always be what? And seasoned with salt. Some of y'all are really good at throwing on some pepper. you like to add a little Tabasco. Where's the salt? Where's the salt to our speech and the salt to our words? So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Matthew 15, 18. This is, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart and those things defile the person. We'll unpack this one in just a little bit. Matthew 12, Jesus again, watch what he says. But I tell you, and man, this should bring great conviction. Tremendous conviction on our speech, on our talking, on our conversations, on our dialogue. And I'm not just talking about, because you can, you can talk without the tongue, by the way. In 2022, you can talk without the tongue. Y'all got hand signals? Come on, somebody. You've got texting, you've got email, you've got social media. And he says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every single empty word that you have spoken. Can you imagine the size of the library in heaven just for you recording every empty word that you and I have ever spoken? Father, forgive me right now. For by your words, you will be what? Acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now there's a hundred reasons, and I'm being serious, as to why the words that we use are important, but we don't have time for all of those. I'm gonna give you two reasons why I believe words are incredibly significant and important. The first one is this, and it's just because of the sheer volume of words that we use every day. Research says that an average person will open their mouth almost 1,000 times every single day. Just opening and closing your mouth almost 1,000 times every day. Research also says that women speak on average about 20,000 words a day, while a man on average will speak about 7,000 words a day. There's no joke here, by the way. You're laughing, not me, all right? I don't know if women speaking three times more than men are a good thing or a bad thing all i have is my experience being married to kimberly and a lot of the reason that she won't stop talking i mean a lot of the reason that she talks a lot is because women generally speaking like details and men don't want to give the details so she just wants to know she don't want to know part of the story she wants the whole story she wants every single detail so if i so this is what I've done. This is a little little marriage advice for y'all, come on. So now 18 years in, when I know she's gonna wanna know the details, I just jump right in the deep end. I'm like, I was meeting with Don. He was wearing an East Lake golf shirt. We met for 43 minutes. We talked about A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Before she can even get a word in, she's like, sounds like a good day. And then off I go. Again, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing, but I do know this, guys. If you would give more details, maybe she wouldn't ask so many questions. You can't. Some of you guys are like, "Oh, no, you didn't." (laughs) Yeah, I did. You can't. You can't sit there and be frustrated at questions because you refuse to give answers. That ain't right. I had one guy in the lobby. He stopped me. He's like, "Did my wife text you to say all those things today?" And I said, lean in, man. I said, no, I'm married too, bro. Come on now. <laughs> he said, well, I got a rule in my house. I said, sometimes I walk in and say, there are no questions to be asked today. And I walked out. I was like, they ain't gonna make it. <laughs> they getting divorced. Come on now. Now, how many of you are readers? You read books. All right. If you take a 180 single-spaced page novel, That is approximately 90,000 words, okay? If the average woman talks 20,000 words a day, then math will indicate that she will speak right 81 books a year. Baby, you add into my library. Come on, after 18 years. (laughs) Or a man will speak right 29 books a year. The point is this. We talk a lot. And it's interesting that as, as believers... That we believe that God created man. He created man in his image. And watch this. He gave us two of these and one of these. But why are we using this twice as much as we're using this? So just be guarded with what you say. Because if you just talk, 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 you'll actually be known as a person that has nothing significant to say. But if you'll let your words be wise and few. Anybody with me right now? Then you can bring wise counsel and encouragement and and health and life to the conversation. Now, the second reason why words are important is because they reveal what's in your heart. Now, this is very elementary, but I need to take us there. If in your heart is evil, then you will speak evil. If in your heart is hatred, you're gonna spew hatred. If in your heart is bitterness, you will speak bitterly. If in your heart is jealousy, you will always talk with a jealous spirit. If your heart is dirty, you'll say dirty words. If your heart is worldly, you will talk the ways of the world. But if your heart is pure, then your words are pure. If your heart is kind, then your words will be kind. If your your heart is graceful, Filled, then your words will be grace filled. If your heart is full of the Spirit of God, then your speech will be full of the Spirit. Does that make sense to anybody? I mean, this isn't overly complicated. You don't have to have a doctorate in phonics to understand this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's Luke chapter 6 45. This is Jesus again. Watch this. Highlight this in your Bible. A good person on this path towards a good life. They will produce good things from a treasury of a good heart. Do you see that? But an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. For what you say flows from what is within you. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And I wanna say this to you because I'm saying this out of testimony and experience. And your apology, after you say it, doesn't fully reconcile it. Because out of your heart, what you just said is how you really feel. But when I get angry, I lose all control. Then be full of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't just say whatever you want to say and then throw out some fleeting apology, hoping that it can just cover up all the mean, disrespectful, hurtful. There was one time, you got time for a story? I don't even have a watch on. I fooled all you. I'm like, what time is it? I lost my Apple watch on vacation, y'all. I know. But my words were so full of life. One time I did a counseling session. This is when we lived in Maryland. And this couple came and sat in front of me. And I said, what's the problem? And immediately the husband said, she's fat. Immediately. She's fat. She won't stop eating. She snacks all night. And I looked at her and I said, he's the problem. now how how could that woman who obviously was wrestling with her weight for whatever reason i'm not gonna judge that ain't nobody loving oatmeal cookie like pastor jc come on somebody but how would that woman ever recover from that type of remark and then he went on to say she is a b-word in my office now i'm full of the holy spirit but in that moment the spirit of slap about came over me and i thought i'm gonna have to punch this guy right in the nose to knock some sense into him There is no apology that can fully reconcile that. Watch this. Out of your heart, this thing's going to speak. So I'm praying right now that the Lord convict us with what we're saying. Every single thing that you say, and I put myself in here too, and every single thing that I say is either life-giving or death-dealing, and there is no in-between. So when I come home from a long day at work, and I know you think pastors only play golf, and like we only work on Sundays, that's foolishness all right when i do play golf and that's fair but when i come home from work and it's a long day it is not fair of me to take out my frustration on my wife and children because of a coworker or an issue at the office i can walk into that room and i can breathe life or i can speak death in a different season of life and ministry for me i would pull up to the house Sit in the driveway and put a clock on for 10 minutes and just decompress. Because I don't want to walk into that home with the weight of everything that I'm carrying and take it out on somebody that is, watch, innocent. Because our kids, especially when they're smaller, man, they're like puppies. <laughs> now I'm like, hey, you guys, you know I'm home, right? Everybody, anybody here? I want to speak life over them, and especially children and grandchildren. They hang on to every word, every word. When little London comes out in a dress, she says, Daddy, do I look pretty in this? You're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my whole life. speak life over them. I remember last season, Lake had taken a year off of playing baseball. He played football for the middle school, and then he went back to playing baseball, and he was a part of this team that was a select team, and, and the player's skill set was much improved from the year that he had played prior. And, and the first few games, Lakeland struggled. He struggled. He, he didn't get a hit, and he was frustrated, and he was defeated. And, you know, that, that I had coached, Lake in baseball for years, and that old coach just wanted to say, hey, here's what you're doing with your swing. I get those hips rotated. You got to keep your eyes on the barrel of the bat and follow through. But you know what I did? I was like, man, just, just have fun, And Just get out there and have fun, bud. It'll all come back to you. Now, that was counter of how I typically respond. I actually remember one night after I encouraged him and encouraged him and encouraged him, I went in the bathroom. I was like, you are a good dad. <laughs> I just encouraged him. And then all of a sudden, and you guys know this lake went on this hot streak of hitting. It was unbelievable. We had scouts. Call- okay, that's a lie. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is a lie. <laughs> we'll talk about lying in a minute. But in every situation, you choose life or you choose death. And watch this and you've got the power Amen. to decide. Let me let me give you this. I'll give you the, the wrong reasons of using the tongue and then I'll give you the right reasons for using the tongue because there are wrong reasons but there are also right reasons. All right? Write these down. Come on. I got to fly. You ready? The first wrong use of the tongue is when you use it to curse. And we'll talk about cursing in two ways. The first way is this is when you speak a curse over someone or something. That's the wrong way to use your tongue. Listen to me, I'm not a prosperity gospel kind of guy, but I do believe that that you can speak blessing over something or someone, or you can speak curses over something or someone. And some of you are always so critical, because that's what's in your heart, that all you know to do is to speak curses over everything. Here's a little bit of word of advice. If you're going through some health stuff, stop getting on WebMD and self-diagnosing you. Well, I got a cough, it's cancer, I'm gonna die. That's a curse. That is a curse. If you've got a cough, here's some wisdom. Go to the doctor. Just go to the doctor and then say, you know what? By his stripes, I'm made well. I'm healed. Speak blessing over your life. Some of you, all you do is speak curses over your finances. Well, we'll never have enough money. You know, and the economy is what it is. And Wall Street is what it is. And this president is what he is. And gas is what it is. Listen to me. Just speak blessing and go to work. Get a budget. Speak blessing over it. Some of you single parents, and I'm not trying to be mean. I was raised by a single mama. My father died when I was 13. I was raised by a single mama. But some of you, moms, single moms, and single dads, you're speaking curses over your children, and you don't even realize it. Because when they come home from that weekend with mom or dad, and, and, and you get into a conversation, you'll say things like, you'll always be just like your father. Well, I hope you point out some of the good characteristics of why you married him or why you decided to have a baby with him instead of pointing out all the flaws and the negativity and the issues. Speak life over your children. I wish I had a hundred people that would help me preach. I told you in the beginning That if you don't amen, we'll be here all day. And we're looking at 2 o'clock right now. Come on, somebody, with the watch that I don't have. (laughs) Here's another way that you curse. And it's like with your language. And you cuss like a sailor. I I don't know if cursing is going to keep you out of heaven. I'm I'm not the judge of that. Everybody's got their own things. But I do know this, that bad language can be an addiction. Some of you don't even know how to talk without using curse words. And listen to me, and and this is a curse word that is also a curse. People will say this flippantly, GD. GD this and GD that. Listen, if you are full of God and you love the Lord, don't, don't tolerate GD. If it's in a conversation, if it's in a joke, walk away from the conversation. Call that individual out. That may not affect you, but it grieves my heart. When there's a movie and they start using GD, flip that thing off. Now maybe there's some other curse words that you can hang with, but GD fires me up. And do you really want God to damn that thing? One of my favorite hobbies is playing golf. And sometimes we'll get paired up, if I've got like me or one other person, we'll get paired up with random people. And these guys are out there and they'll cuss, or whatever, until I tell them I'm a preacher. I love that, so what do you do? I'm a pastor, my God. (laughs) I've been needing prayer. (laughs) I know you, you did not have to tell me that. But man, the moment that they hit a golf ball and say GD, that's when I speak up. Hey, whatever other word you want to use and throw out there, that's fine, but you're not going to use GD here. And by the way, you'll never figure out your short game if you keep GD in it. God blanket. I think God's like, "All right. <laughs> you'll never hit another putt." I think it, <laughs> 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 fine with me. This is dangerous. Ephesians 5, 4 says it this way. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be. So instead of GD it, what if you got frustrated and said, you know what? God bless it. Just teach me some things. Reveal some things. Show me some things. But God, I, I I don't want your curses on it. I want your blessing on it. That's a great place to pause and say amen right there. Come on. The second wrong use of the tongue is fighting. How many of you, by something that was said to you or something you said to someone, it caused a fight? Uh, physically or verbally? Some of y'all are like, I ain't raising my hand anymore. Every time you ask a question, I gotta raise my hand. I mean, how many times have I said something that just caused a fight? I think it was one time. I remember it, that one time, as a matter of fact. Listen, whenever, whenever you're fighting, the most powerful muscle that you have is not your fists. It's not your arms. It's your tongue. How, how do you choose to respond? Listen, and I don't bat a thousand here. I got sanctification is a process. I'm a work in progress. But we have learned over the years, we don't disagree near as much now in our marriage as we did in the beginning. Now, we've both matured, but I've certainly matured. And we've discovered the way that, you know what? If we'll let our words be kind and sensitive and spirit-led, we don't always have to fight. Some some of you just need... My mom always just say it like this. Like, if you can't say something nice, some of you need to stop talking for like two weeks. It's like shut that thing down and let the temperature in that relationship just decrease. Because every time you open up your mouth, you just spew foolishness. It's what the Bible says. Look at this. Proverbs 18, 6. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. Now, we've had you raise your hand about you, but raise your hand if you know someone that every time they open up their mouth, you just want to punch them one time. Come on, somebody. (laughs) What kind of church is this? We believe in laying on of hands. Our words can cause fights. All right, here's a third wrong use of the word. is gossip. And gossip just isn't in middle school and elementary school and high school. Some of you are, listen, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Some of you are grown, but you're not mature. We gossip. All these things, and I said this a moment ago, and it's just not with your talk. It's with texting. I read more, I read more people's stuff on Facebook. I just my family. You ever read somebody like that? You're like, man, they just aired out all the dysfunction in their family. Yeah. And then I got to pick up the phone. I'm like, mom, why did you? <laughs> you say that about us, you know? <laughs> Texting, email, gossip, gossip, gossip. Here's what the Bible says. Watch Proverbs 16:28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a gossip will separate close friends. Have you ever experienced that? Listen to me. Gossip is divisive. It's what it does. It, it divides everything. Gossip is poisonous. Anything that gossip touches, it, it's po- it becomes poison. And eventually it will die. Gossip is immature, meaning it's foolish and it's childish. And at the end of the day, gossip is a sin. We're really good at pointing out all of the other sins except the sin that we're involved in. We Everybody Good. So when I leave five weeks and I come back, this is what you get. Come on now. We're really good at talking about all the other sins except the ones that we're a part of, like gossip. Now, I want you to remember this. Uh, and Kimberly, she, she proofreads all of my slides because I make the slides here for the TV. She proofreads all of them on Saturday to make sure that I know how to spell. So last night, I left out Proverbs 18.22, didn't I? Because I wanted to just, you know, love you. And then... This morning, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this. So I went back in and made the addition about the idea of gossip, the sin of gossip. And I want you to remember this someone that gossips to you, they will also gossip about you. Come on, somebody. You need to be careful about that person that's constantly coming to you with all the latest and greatest breaking news about everybody else. Be careful what you say in return, because if they're willing to gossip to you, I promise you they'll gossip about you. So the next time you feel the temptation, and it is, to gossip about somebody, to spread something about someone, ask these three questions. First, is this true? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Then, is this kind? Am I being life-giving here or death-dealing? And then, is it, is it necessary? Even if, it, even if it's true, like, is it necessary that I tell everybody in the office about what's going on with them? Or maybe, even if the gossip is fabricated and, and untrue or half-true, maybe, I don't know, it ended up in your ears and in your mind so that you could just pray for that person. So, what if, you, what if you would pray for them instead of play with them? And you know what? You can go to the person and just say, I want to pray for you today. You don't have to go to them and say, Let me tell you what I heard Sally said about your man. You don't have to do all that. They say, I want to pray for you. The Lord put you on my heart. Is that true? Yeah, somehow you ended up on my heart. I believe it's the Lord. And I want to pray, is it true, is it kind, is it necessary? I think this is the final one here of the wrong use of the tongue, and that's when you use it to lie. You use it to lie. I told, you know, the, the, the first gathering this earlier. Man, I come from a generation of liars. I mean, that's the Whirlies. Liars, manipulators, con artists, can't trust them as far as you can spit. It's a lie. And I remember so many times, especially being younger and lacking maturity and wisdom, like telling people stories and partly true, half true, I've embellished them. Man, I just remember one day saying, Why? Like in the moment of this one particular conversation, saying, God, why am I like this? I don't want to speak lies. I want to speak truth. I don't want to be deceitful. And I just be, begin to feel the Holy Spirit chip some of that away from me. And even now, there are moments that I have to re, be reminded. Don't lie. Somebody will say, well, how many, how many people is, is go church And I'm like, I think it's like 8,400 people right now. No, it's not. It is what it is, and I'm proud of that. But people will come to you. They'll ask questions. Are you going to lie about it? Or will you be honest? Here's what the Bible says, and I'll wrap this up. Watch. A truthful witness saves lies, but one who speaks lies is deceitful. Mark Twain said this, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. If you just tell the truth. So why do people lie? I came up with a few thoughts here. I think a lot of people lie because they want to preserve their self-image. I know that would be true for me. I want you to think of me higher than what I really am. I don't want you to think less of me. So if I have to lie a little bit to build up my self-image, lie to protect somebody's feelings, I say, well, it's just a little white lie. You can color that lie whatever you want. It's still a lie. There is only one lie that you can tell that I believe God will forgive. And this is for all the married men. When your wife says, does this dress make me look fat? Just go right ahead and say, baby, you look perfect. But we protect people. We want to impress others. Guilty. We don't want to be embarrassed. You know what true embarrassment is? Is when you have to admit that you've been lying the whole time and that you're fake and you're phony and you're not who you say you are. And then this is the biggest one. We don't want the consequence, the punishment. And let me just say this to you. The punishment is always worse after the lie is discovered than the original consequence and punishment if you just would have been truthful to begin with. So instead of getting... I grew up in the old school. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like in the old school parenting, we didn't get time out. We got beat down. Hello, come on. Nowadays, parenting is all like, Johnny, don't make me count to three. One Mississippi. My mom will be like, get up. So whenever I would lie, man, now, now I've got double punishment. I've got the punishment for the original sin and now... I'm in trouble for lying about it. Ooh. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit here. Somebody needs to go tell the truth. You need to tell the truth. You are restricting God's blessing on your life by lying about it. I feel that. You may, you may actually owe taxes instead of that refund, but you better be honest. You better go back to your logger. And tell them that God's honest truth, the outcome of the decision may be different, but whom the Son set free is free indeed. It is truth that sets us free. All right, now here's the right reasons. Everybody got a few minutes? Come on, hang in there with me. One of the right reasons to use the tongue is to give wise counsel and good advice. And we all have experienced this, and we also know the need of this. All of us have had a teacher or a counselor. Or a pastor give you good advice and to help you decide on what your next steps are the day that I got saved in 1999 man I felt the power of God on my life gave my heart to the Lord and uh, this they had cell phones then in 99 but I didn't own one I had a I had a pager a beeper where are my pager beeper people at come on and I remember my mom saying only drug dealers have beepers I got saved, and I ran to the shed. I was working in a a cemetery as one of the the landscapers, and I ran to the shed, picked up the phone, called my mom. I said, I want to meet your pastor. I was 19 years old. I'll be 42 next month. So 23 years ago, I sat in front of this pastor, Pastor Mark Williams, Dr. Mark Williams, and I said, I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I feel called to preach. I don't know what to do. And that guy had a choice to make. He could speak life into my calling or he could speak death into my calling. I was young in the Lord and I wasn't sure what to do and I'll never forget it for as long as I live. His exact words to me were, JC, education will never compare to the anointing of the Holy Spirit that now rests on your life. However, education is another tool in your hand as you step out in faith and begin this journey of preaching and calling. And he looked at me and said, go get your education. I said, Dr. Williams, I barely graduated high school, man. I skipped 47 days of my senior year. I barely walked across that stage. And he's like, you got to go get your education. I said, well, where did you go to college? He said, I went to Lee University. I said, do you think you could get me in there? He's like, I think I could get you in there. And that next fall, I started Lee University on academic probation. And a few years into Lee, I met Kimberly. And I loved her the moment that I saw her. And then we began full-time ministry together. And we youth pastored at this church for over seven years. And then in 2013, we moved to Maryland to start Go Church in Germantown. And then in 2018, God brought us home to take over the responsibility of pastoring this church, all because one man, one man gave me good counsel and good advice. That's the right way to use the tongue. The Bible says this in Proverbs 15, the tongues of the wise people give good expression to knowledge, but the mouths of fools, they pour out a flood of stupidity. Another right reason is for correction and truth. This is a primary job of parents and grandparents, to give correction and to give truth. And it's easier when the kids are small, but what if God tells you to correct someone that's unequal to you? Well, before you jump into that, you better make sure the Lord's leading you to do it but you can even speak correction and truth and grace and kindness and love. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you'll, you'll know this verse by your own testimony. Proverbs 27:6. wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I've got a lot of wounds in my life from real friends that saw inside of me something I didn't see in myself. And so they were willing to call me out and hold me accountable so that I could accomplish the great plan that God has for my life instead of being led down a path of destruction. You've got to invite open criticism and ask people who love you and believe in you, what are the blind spots in my life? And it may wound you for a moment, but I'd rather you tell me that God's honest truth to make me better because Proverbs says that iron sharpens iron instead of you misleading me and me think that I'm doing something wonderful, but really, I'm on the fast track to nowhere. All right? Thank you to the two of you that are clapping right now, by the way. Two more. The tongue is used for encouragement. This is the right way. All of us need it. In one moment, an encouraging word can change everything. It can change someone's day, and dare I say, it can change someone's life. You ever been down and someone say something kind to you? Gracious to you? Man, what that does to your spirit. The Bible says it like this, that kind and gracious words are like honey. They're sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. I know I've been preaching for a while. I promised to land this plane, but last night I was praying for you and for this message and I don't know who this is for, but I wanna take 45 seconds here and encourage you A lot of you going through some stuff. And this moment of encouragement may not be for everyone, but it is for someone. And here's the three things the Lord put on my heart to tell you. Whoever you are, number one, you are doing a better job than you think you are. You're doing a really good job. I know you feel like you aren't. And I don't know why I feel impressed just to speak to some mamas real quick. But you're doing a better job than you think you are. And you mean more to your children and more to your family than you think you do. Now, we're parents, so we've got kids. And the thank yous don't always come like we would want them to. But I know that our kids appreciate us. And I want you to know that you mean more to people than you realize. And here's the other thing I want to encourage you with, whoever you are. Don't you give up now. Don't you quit. You've come too far. My mama always says, don't you give up today, son. The miracle might be tomorrow. Keep on keeping on. Every day you get up out of bed. You put one foot in front of the other. You walk in the strength of God. Don't throw in the proverbial towel. You may not be where you wanna be, but thank God you're not where you used to be either. You keep on keeping on. Come on, be encouraged today. All right, and the final one is this. The right way to use a tongue is to be a witness. All my life, God, you've been faithful. And so that's what I want to tell the whole world. Revelation 12, 11, they overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So witness to other people. Final thought, you are, by the way, for so many people, the only Jesus that they're ever gonna see. And you are, for so many people, the only Bible that they are ever going to read or hear. You're it. So the weightiness of that. Now ask yourself, it's rhetorical, but do I speak life or do I speak death? What do people hear? What do people see? Are people hurt by what I say or are they encouraged by what I say? And then the third one is, and what do my words reveal about my heart? I want to tell you the Holy Spirit wants to do some heart surgery on us today. Clean some things up and redirect this. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your message. Thank you for the attentiveness of this room and those at Westside in Germantown. Thank you for them hanging in there and just being willing to to be taught and led. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to their heart in the way you need to. As a matter of fact, every head bowed, every eye closed, ask those two questions. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart today? And then every one of us have a next step that we need to take in our faith journey. So Lord, reveal that and move us from where we are to where you're calling us to be and help us in our thinking and in our speaking and in our tongue and with our mouth and with our lips. And may we speak life because you gave us life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's just bless the Lord one time. Thank you, Jesus.